Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of La Magicas. This is uh, edition number 71. My name is Sam Rubio. I'm the producer of the show. And I'd like to welcome everybody. I know it's been a little bit over a month since our last episode, and, man, a lot of things have happened since. Um, and not just in the Roma world, as you m all know. Um, we, are, as a society, as a world, uh, are going through very difficult moments, um, but we're gonna in this podcast we're gonna try to talk Roma. No, um, we have a bunch of guests for today. It's a full packed episode, uh, and we're gonna try to we're gonna try to, you know, no, it's very difficult. But we're gonna try to focus on Roma for this episode. Um, before we go ahead, let me get started uh, introducing all of our guests. We'll like to start with Wayne Girard. Wayne is back with us. Wayne, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Obviously, it's a lot of madness going around right now a lot of sad things that we see in the news especially out of bergamo but uh glad to be here today another of our guests um we've also had him before in the, in, in the program um bren from chiesa di totti always always very knowledgeable very insightful with everything roma bren how are you glad to have you back yeah i'm good uh thank you for having me back again and our last episode our last guest for today would be sam bannister we had recently for our decade uh, in review episode uh, and we're super glad to have him again uh, sam how are you i'm great thanks um thanks for having me back really enjoyed it last time so looking forward to this one all right um where do we start obviously obviously we like to tell everybody you know right to follow the guidelines for their from their health um authorities be smart about this let's not take it so lightly uh, this is serious blowing that's going on. So, and I feel like we are doing a much better job the last few days of taking this problem um, not so lightly, right? Uh, does anybody want to say anything about any of this that's going on? It's so weird. It's um, it's very, it's sad. Uh, what's going on in Italy, but not only in Italy nowadays, in the rest of the world, it's very sad and it's hitting us really bad. Does anybody have a word for it? Maybe Wayne. Yeah. Uh so what really got to me was when my friend, one of my best friends in Florence, actually contracted it. And the doctors at first were apprehensive to say it, and they still didn't until his fever was something like 40 degrees Celsius. And eventually they gave him a very strong – in Italy, you can't just go to the doctor to get a antibiotic. You actually have to go to the hospital. And there, you know, he's telling me about his symptoms, and I'm like, wow, this, this really doesn't sound – it doesn't sound like anything that we've come across before. Like it's really something that shook me to see like my friend could get it. He's 27 years old. And at that point I realized, I was like, Oh, okay. Anybody can and may get this. So that was something that put it into a, into a perspective for me. Sounded like Italians maybe took it a little bit lightly. Um, remember, uh, said, yeah, right. Some of the matches were played, some of them were not, and then because they didn't realize the ser seriousness of all, of all of this, right? Brent, what do you think? Yeah, I, um, you know, I give them credit for trying to maintain, you know, some sense of normalcy. Um, you know, obviously before they realized that that was not the best track to do, 
Um, you know, I thought it was a bit strange when they sort of had all the matches up north canceled and the ones down south kept going, like as if the virus couldn't travel south of Rome. I thought that was kind of strange. Um, but, you know, obviously then they made the correct decision to cancel a full stop. But um, they're just speaking as an American, as a fan of American sports as well. You can sort of see the parallels, how they tried to start doing it. Like they thought the um, NCAA March Madness, they were going to first do that behind closed doors. And they just said, no, full stop, we're just going to cancel and postpone it. So it was interesting to see it play out in a similar fashion on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'll, I'll give them credit for trying to keep it going, but obviously that wasn't the smart thing to do. So um, in the end, they made the right call. Yeah. What we're trying to do here in America is try to flatten the curve, right? So we don't have that many cases all at once. Um, Sam, Sam B, what do you make of all of this? Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, been a shame to see how quickly it's spread and how easy it is for, for different people to get it. Um, and as we see, both in the UK and the States, it's now a case of trying to contain it before it spreads to a similar level to what, what's happened in Italy and other countries where it's being badly affected. Um, I think it's it's quite scary times, but people have got to come together for this. And I think that's what we're seeing, a bit more community. Uh, obviously, social distanced community, but yeah, hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel and one day everything will be back to normal. But for now, everyone's just got to stay safe, really. Exactly. Stay safe and follow the, your local authorities' guidelines, right? Uh, let's try to shift focus and let's try to talk Roma a little bit, if possible. Um, where did the, all this stop, all these problems got us in the season? Um, we were, we were, we ended up 2019 on a, on a good note. And then we started uh, 2020, obviously horrible. We started to pick it up a little bit, and that's where it all stopped. Um, let's start with Brent. What do you make of the season? What do you think? You think the season can be salvaged? Uh, what, what do we do? Um, I have no idea if it can be salvaged or not. That's a, a little bit beyond my pay grade. Um, I think it's, it's, it's played out the way I expected it to. I thought it would be, you know, a dog fight for fourth place between, you know, several clubs. Um, just unfortunately, it just seems like Atalanta is running away with it. So if, if and when they do start playing again, I, I just think, you know, we're six points or three points behind Atalanta, but they have a game in hand. So they would pretty much have to be, as close to perfect as they possibly could be down the stretch to even a catch up to Atalanta and b hopefully overtake them. Um, so I, I, I just feel like this is the way it was going always going to play out. It's sort of a, an odd mix. Uh, you're, they're relying on a lot of young players, you know, a lot of 19, 20, 20, 21 year old players. So you never know what's going to happen with kids like that. Um, there's always some consistency issues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, whether they start or not, I think it's going to be, probably going to end just where it is. I think fifth place is sort of their lot in life at the moment. Um, I think that is reflective of the kind of team they have. Uh, you know, it, it's, it was always going to be close, and I just think that's the way it was going to play out, unfortunately. Um, but I do think they're heading in the right direction. There has been talk of a four-team playoff for the title. How, how much of a truth is that? Is that, is that a, a viable idea, Wayne? It, it, that doesn't seem to be that something that the clubs are going to vote and pass. I don't see that really happening. They're probably going to want to play this out in the summer. I think that's the most realistic option right now. It would be great if it was a top six. And, of course, Roma can get in there. But it just doesn't look realistic. I think Juventus would probably never 
So to approve that, you know how heavy their hand is when it comes to the the voting and political um, political weight that carries in the Italian league. Yeah, no, even for the fa fifth and sixth place, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, to in, to me, it doesn't make any sense for with a team that with 39 points, we battle in the title with against a team of 60, with 63 points, right? So that doesn't just doesn't seem very fair to me. Um, no. Sam, um, what do you think? Uh, what, what do you think we're, we'll be going? It looks like if we continue the season, we're gonna go back. We're gonna be playing deep into June. Um, you think that's? I mean, now with the Euro not playing in the Copa America 2021 not playing, I mean, sounds like there could be a possibility. Yeah, now that the Euros have been pushed back for another summer, it, it gives time to catch up. The worry then is like the knock-on effect of what happens next season. Obviously, you need a, a big pre-season to prepare for it. Uh, that would normally be happening around late June, early July. That's obviously going to have to be pushed back, and then next season itself will be pushed back. Uh, but as things stand, we've just got to get the season done, really. So just got to try and get everything finished by June. I think we will see a lot of games in June. There might be a short turnaround. It might be two games a week, certainly if they keep going with the Europa League as well. Um, it's going to be a difficult time to catch up and it will be physically taxing for the players, but the, there's not much alternative really. What do you guys make of the how UEFA handled the situation? Because there are so matches that were played for Europa League. Obviously, the Inter-Getafe and the Roma-Sevilla match, matches were postponed. Um, what do you guys think of how uh, UEFA handled the situation? What do you guys think of that? I, mean, I think it's a lot of pressure to put on a system. Of course, they're always going to be criticized for wanting to price gouge and take away as much as they can without losing profit. But I think it's an unprecedented time. So if UEFA have done something better and been more efficient, yeah, they should have these plans set. Um, UEFA has is, is a just an organization that's come under scrutiny in the past before. This is not the first time. But at the same time, I don't think it's the right moment to point fingers. I think it just took like a day or two for them to really figure out what they were going to do. You're talking about Uh, prolonging and changing some of the biggest tournaments and most watched matches in the world. So I think that there is going to be a point in time where things just don't go as linear as one or the masses would have liked or appreciated. Bren? Yeah, I, I think Wayne's correct. I mean, um, I, I did think it was kind of odd that they just sort of one week said we're going to uh, postpone the Champions League and Europa League, and then they're going to come back four or five days later and say that uh, the Euros are canceled. Why not just do it at once? But, you know, it is a dramatic um, logistical undertaking, so I, I can't imagine what goes into that. Uh, but then there was all that rumor in here say how they were charging all the member nations like $270 million or something absurd like that. Um, but it just seems like it's a cascading effect. You had to push back the Europa League and the Champions League in, the, in order to get um, time for the league to finish their season. You had to push the Euros back to the next year, then that's pushing the women's Euros back. So everything's just falling back a year. Um, like you said, uh, it's sort of unprecedented. So um, I think they've handled it as best they could. I mean, some of the timings of the decisions was a bit strange. But um, I mean, I'm a little bummed that they pushed the women's zero back. I was looking forward to having two in one summer. Obviously, it's for a horrible reason. But um, if you're a fan of international football, having two huge tournaments like that back-to-back -back would have been kind of cool. 
Um, but I understand how everything just sort of has to stagger. Makes the summer um, go so much better, right? It would have been cool. I think there would have been an overlap by like about a week, but it would have been really interesting because I think Italy would have had a chance in both tournaments. So that would have been pretty cool to see that in one summer. But um, yeah, I mean, they you know you got to do what you got to do, and I think they're handling it as best they can. Yeah, I don't know if you guys um, got to got to hear the uh, interview that uh, Javier Pastore did. It, quarantine from his house to Argentinian TV. He said that uh, about eight days ago, the team stopped all trainings. They sent everybody home. Uh, they're obviously doing a lot of cardio and free weights in their houses. Um, they're following some, I mean, some some of the te 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 team stuff. They're calling, they're calling through video conference and make sure they're doing everything, but it's always not the same. It's not the same as training in Trigoria. So, yeah, Besides going deep into the to in, into into summer to play matches, I mean, the players at at this level need some time to to regain their fitness, right? So it's gonna be it's gonna be taking a while to for everything to go back to normal, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, still get a, a knock-on effect, and as we say, everything's getting pushed back. But as you say, the players need a break as well. Don't they? they need to recover, and there's only so much they can do now. This isn't a real break for them. They need to keep fit for when the season resumes. So when it all comes to a conclusion, they're going to need some time off then, and that's pushing everything back. So it's it's hard to work out exactly how it's going to play out, really. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the sell of the club, uh, the Fritkin group, uh, because everything's... That looks to be on, 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 on hold as well. It, Palota, James Palota was asked, so what's holding this whole process back? He was asked this a few days ago, and he said, um, well, ask Dan Friedkin, because it's on his side that the delays are happening. What do you make of this brand? Maybe you've, I know you've been reading about this on, on Chiesa di Totti. Where are the ladies? Where are we on there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, your guess is as good as mine. I, I thought that was sort of a, um, a typical uh, response from him to just sort of curtly say ask them. Uh, I don't know. It's just like at first they said it was going to be done by New Year's. Then it was like, oh, he's coming to the Torino match in January. I'll sign it then. Then he had all his representatives. He had all those videos of them coming out of the hotels in Rome. It was like, we're going to do it there. And then it's like, no, we're going to do it back in Houston. And then it was like, no, we're going to do it in New York. And then you had that whole sort of fiasco where they had pictures of the hotel where they were supposed to be signing the papers. And James Pallotta got in an argument with John Solano on Twitter and things like that. It was just sort of. Uh, it's been crazy. I mean, I, Typical me, Pelota, right? Yeah, for me, I, I can't really compare it to uh, when Di Benedetto took over the team in 2011 because I wasn't uh, writing about the team then, so I wasn't covering as closely. So I'm curious as, to see if it was similar to this, just the constant stopping and starting the speculation. Um, I would think at this point they have a price settled on, and they've had months to do their due diligence. So I, I have honestly have no idea what's taking so long. Maybe they're waiting for the pandemic to die down. Maybe that has some effect on the long-term value of the club. I don't really know, but it does seem very strange um, that nothing's happened, really. It seems like they were all in the same city. It was all set to go, and then there's just this mysterious delay. So while Palau's response was sort of sarcastic, I mean, it's hard not to disagree with him. I mean, you have to ask Freakin. He's the one who's buying the team. He's the one who's holding things up. So I honestly have no idea, but it's, it was getting kind of – uh, tedious to cover from my end. I got sort of sick of waking up every day. I'm like, oh my god, I have to worry about this again. <laughs> so I, I, I hope, yeah, I hope they can solve it because I, I, I feel like that's gonna that could really throw 
the summer into chaos if it's not solved before then. Yeah, uh, I do the same thing for my website in Spanish. I feel like we've been writing due diligences on this over this transaction for the last few months, and they never end. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a long due diligence, apparently. Um, Sam, uh, do you think you think there is any way that this transaction or this sale might be at risk uh, because of all of this, or you think it's going to go through? It's hard to say, really, but there's always going to be the doubt about while the pandemic's going on, what kind of impact that'll have on the, the businesses. And I've got to remember that the football club is a business as well. Um, so, yeah, it might have an impact on the valuation and that might change what Friedkin's thinking about investing in. Um, so who knows if it's going to go through or not. Obviously, there's been months of talks uh, or reports that we've been seeing about. So... It's, we're not sure really what's what's going to happen with it. We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Wayne, what's your take on all of this? Uh, I can't comment on club sale. Fair enough. Bren, I want to touch with you because you wrote an article, and we wrote it for our Spanish page as well, about Milic. Uh, he could be an option for Roma if he leaves Napoli. I hear Napoli is looking into... Jovic from Real Madrid that could free up, free up space. Because remember, they're also getting uh, Petania from Spal, right? At the end of the right. season. So there yep. might be, Milic might be the odd man out over there. Why do you, do you think he could be a long-term solution for as a Sheko replacement? Um, yeah, I think so. When I, I wrote that piece, I was surprised at how similar they were statistically over the past uh 18 months or so, um, but, you know, he still has a year on his contract, but like you said, they did sign Patania. Um, and then there was the rumor that they were going to flip him already for Bellotti. Um, so it just seems like he's not their number one plan. Um, and obviously you look at, he's had multiple serious knee injuries, so that's an issue. But if you look at his numbers last year, it seems like he put all woes behind him. Um, and it's just like Jekko's, well, he just turned 34 yesterday. So at some point, they have to figure out what they're going to do after that because they just have not had luck developing a striker, whether it was Soleri or um, Sadiq, uh, Tumanello. It just hasn't worked out. Um, I know they have uh, probably going to slaughter his name, Zon Cheller. Um, I think he's, where's, you know, Cittadella or Cremonese. He went somewhere on loan again. Um, so he had, you know, a really perfect Primavera record, but it just hasn't worked out for him yet. So I think if you can get a guy who is 26 or 27, who has a proven track record in the league, who seems like he might have something to prove. You know, he fought back through two injuries, and Napoli just sort of is going to discard him. So it seems like he might have a chip on his shoulder. So if he can channel that, if he can fit into Fonseca's tactics, I think that would be a great addition. I mean, he's only 26 or 27, so you can get potentially five or six years of top production out of that. So I think that would, would be a good move if the price is right. Yeah, he's entering the best years of, of, of his career, right? We can say, we yeah, can say ho that. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Um, Wayne, what do you make? What do you make of the possibility of Milic? Do you see him as an option? When I look at Milic, when I look at him, I am a little nervous because he's a player who's done his ACL before. His fitness, therefore, accordingly as he gets older, is going to be jeopardized. If if, if it's one percent jeopardized or fifty percent, you know, you're always taking that risk on a player. Um, and back to the players like Tominello and Jelad, I think that. When you invest in young strikers, you have a little talent pool, and that's a very good strategy because now you have, like, six guys, and typically four of them are going to just be mid-level and maybe touch, you know, the, the top five or top six. 
and then you hope for that one diamond in the rough. So I do like that policy a lot. Um, Tuminello looked to be maybe that player, and then he did his ACL, so he's recovering and trying to get back and growing. These are still really young guys. And sometimes you see strikers who don't hit it off until they're, like we said, 26, 27 years old. And because there's a lot of tactics and reading between the lines that goes into being a center forward. So um, when it looks, when, when you're looking at a player like Milik, that, that could be a reasonable, um, a reasonable option. Is he probably the first pick of someone if you're creating a team? No, but but if it's an opportunity, then you have to look at everything else that's out there. And I do think he's a pretty good player. He has a rocket of a shot. So that's something to be said for that. And Sam, what's your opinion on Milic? Yeah, I think um, if that was one that would be possible, I think it would be a, a good investment. I think, as you say, a player that's entering his prime. Uh, we've seen the impact that Jekyll's had over the past five seasons has been phenomenal. And that's from a player who joined when he was about 30 years old. So if we could have the chance to work with a striker from the age of like 26, 27, and if he could stay healthy and stay fit and could progress from that, then maybe that would be a good one to, to work on and phase him into the next generation. Um, at the same time, you know, Jekyll's still at the club. Jekyll's still doing well. But obviously at the age of 34 now, he needs to... He needs to start thinking about the long term. I mean, his current backup's Kalinic, who's also in his 30s. So there will come a time when we need to think long term a little bit more. But at the minute, if Jekyll's being productive as well, still worth keeping around. And then if Milik's the one that comes in to, to supplement him, then I think that would be a good move. What do you guys make of... Um, I want to hear your opinion. Of, because the last few matches... And this is just talking football specifically. The last few matches... Um, Kleiber and Cengiz Uner raised their level a little bit, right? You think they could be a, they could be finally settling settling them, themselves in Rome and, and starting to be a little bit more consistent, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hope so. I you remember when Uner first came on his first year. I know there's a bit of a slow start, but uh, if I recall correctly, that spring he was just in such fine form and he's so athletic and so agile it's so exciting i remember um you know just reading the rumor the rumor mill and things like that um it was just like oh you know he's gonna go to munich he's gonna go here he's gonna go there and it was just like oh god here we go again uh, and then he sort of had a dip last year we lost some playing time um then he sort of burst back and sort of reminded us remind us about just how good he is and he couldn't be sort of a building block for the team and he's only i think like 20 years old so i think we 20 or 21 so we tend to forget that Um, I think it's the same thing with Clivert. Um, when I watch him, he's just, man, he's just so fast. There's like nobody who can check him. He can run by anybody. Um, it just sort of feels like he does like the first 99% of his job so well. And then when he gets to the final third, things will go wrong. He make a bad pass or he miss hit it. Um, so people got really, really frustrated. Um, I know I did as well. I meant many times I mentioned, like, I just can't figure out this kid. His final decision uh, making, right? Realized Yeah, but then it's just you got to realize what I just said. He is a kid. I think he's still 19. Um, and I just think on pure athleticism alone, he's a weapon. And, and so you just sort of have to give him time. And I think that goes back to my first question is so many of the important parts of the team are so young and so inexperienced. You have to sort of allow for or expect these sort of ups and downs. But I think if you look at um, their speed, their agility, their shot making, their dribbling, um, they have everything you want in a wide player. So I feel like if they... I have the patience with them. I feel like they could be two building blocks 
of the future. Um, you throw them together with Daniolo and Mancini, and there's five or six guys that are under 23, 25 years old who all can really be leaders for this team. So I, I do think it would be foolish to give up on either one of them at this point. Sam, what's your take on them? I think, as we say, the thing with Clive has always been his final decision. I think he's improved in his finishing this season, I'd say. He looks like he's more confident in front of goal when he gets a one-on-one chance. It's just that little bit before that when he's trying to, to get into that scoring opportunity that maybe sometimes he makes the wrong decision sometimes. But definitely seen a big improvement from him this season, which which is reassuring, and it looks promising for the future. And for under, there's always been a player that I've believed in. He had a, a rough patch with injuries uh, towards the start of this season, and it looked like it was taking him a bit of time to get back to his usual self. Still on the on the way back up to the levels I think he can reach. I don't think he's quite peaked yet in terms of what we've seen from him at Roma so far. But he's definitely improved over the past few games and definitely a player that I wouldn't be so quick to give up on if he has a few bad games. Still has a lot of raw potential there. They both um, they need to start showing more consistency, right? Because they know they ha- we know they have the athleticism, they have the technique, and they're young and they're fast. So it's, as long as they start doing a little bit more consistent. Um, Wayne, what's your take on them too? I also want to ask you about the piece that you wrote for Football Italia, um, specifically on Saniolo and Gianluca Mancini. Considering their circumstances and everything that's happening, they must be happy that the Euro, the tournament, the European tournament was pushed back one summer. Yeah, definitely. So I'll start out with Clever and Under. I've been really happy with them um, the past month before play stopped, of course. And they're, to me, they're not the same player. Of course, they play in a similar position, but I always see Under as the type of player who is just a bit more adaptive play, uh, taking players on and in his buildup, which I really liked. Uh, developing this past season. He came in a little seemingly overweight. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not weighing him on the scales. But that's what was uh, that's what it seemed to be. And that that's natural because he was coming off injury, and you expect that. But I really like the way that he can just control the flank. And if he becomes a little bit more responsible defensively, I think you have an incredible winger on your hands. And he's also someone who's really creative with his shot. He can get it off out of anywhere. And on the other side, you have Clivert a player who is, a, once again, a young winger. And what happens with young wing, wingers? Sometimes they make you extremely happy, like you've just had a newborn baby, and sometimes it gets uh, it gets frustrating because they're trying new things out. They're, they're still figuring it out themselves. And the growth of both of them has been really good. It's done a great projection, so I'm happy with both of them. Um, and then, Sam, you asked uh, about Zaniola and Mancini. Yes, so, yeah, I do think that this delay will benefit them. I think if you look at Zaniolo, he's somebody who's going to be obviously coming back from an ACL tear, and he needs as much time as possible. The worst thing to do is to rush back an injury, um, something that, you know, if a player's very eager and they're just, they can't wait to get back because there's an extremely important tournament in front of them, they might, you, you never know what they're going to do or the decision that's going to be made. So just this extra time is going to really benefit him. Um, one, his health. Two, his maturity as a player. In, with Mancini as well, he's somebody who will really benefit from an extra year of tactical and strategy and learning and, and being coached and staffed. And I think that's going to benefit him greatly because 
he has everything else, right? And if there's one thing, it's just in that chemistry, which takes time, of course. He has a new partner. He's at a completely new club. And if he can just keep on building with that chemistry, then it's, it's all going to be great for him. I could honestly see him replace Alessio Romagnoli within the next two years for the Azzurri, and I almost wouldn't be surprised or maybe put a couple dollars on it that he would replace Romagnoli ahead of next year's Euro tournament because I do think he has that much raw skill, and that's what I'm going to be waiting for him um, once play resumes is to just keep looking and starting to look like a finished product. You have to remember he's very young too. He's something like, um, was Monashini 23 years old? So... Yeah, he struggled a little bit as of recently, but you can tell he's such a great player. He has a lot of le leadership uh, for sh such a young age. Um, I, I am the same boat as you. I think he's going to be phenomenal for years to come. I do want to ask Brent and Sam what they think about about Gianluca Mancini, though, because he's a player that started the season so hot, and then kind of the 2020 along with the team wasn't so great, right, Brent? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll admit I didn't know, <coughs> excuse me, a ton about him coming into the season. Um, but you just have to like the look of him. He's big, he's fast. And then when they plugged him into uh, midfield in that one stretch in the fall, um, he came out clutch. Man, he was just, yeah, he was just amazing. I was expecting, you know, things to slow down, things to really to play that conservative. But he was just reading things. He was moving well. He was passing well. Um, so yeah, he is only 23, and he's got. Um, the physique, he's got the technique. I think he's got the tenacity. I think he's really, really going to be one to keep keep your eye on, one we want to hang on to. So um, I'm a big fan of him. Sam? Yeah, I think obviously he had a, a bit of a rough patch recently, but that's perfectly normal for a player of his age uh, coming into his first season with the club. He's going to have his ups and downs. And when he's had his ups, you know, he's been a very good player this season. He looked very comfortable alongside Smalling. And as we say, that, that period when he was playing in midfield as well, he looked like he couldn't be an option there as well. And I think that helped refocus his energy as well. And after he had that little spell in midfield, when he dropped back into defence, I think that was maybe his best best time when he was in defence, after he'd had that little bit to reset his energy. And um, maybe that would be beneficial for him again to, to experience a little bit in midfield, drop back into defence and, and, you know, just uh, get back to to his best there's plenty of time very promising player very committed brave um yeah i really like him and think it will take time for him to reach his top level and we've got to be patient with him and he's a very promising player and before we go i would like to ask you guys about what you think about and i know i've recently talked about it with sam and and wayne but i i want to ask this question again what do you guys think of paulo fonseca first year in Rome and what do you guys how do you guys see him moving forward you know I, I think if we look back at the summer there was all those uh, rumors of chasing Antonio Conte and things like that so I can't imagine he was their first choice but I think once the season got started um, and they went through their usual dips in form there was just uh, a feeling about him particularly in the fall when they had a huge rash of injuries he was able to sort of fill the gaps plug things here change some things there it just sort of felt different I didn't really have that sort of um <laughs> impending sense of doom. I just felt like this guy, he's going to get it. He knows what he's doing. It feels like the players like him. It feels like he's innovative enough while staying within his general framework. He makes just small tweaks that help it work. Um, you know, I, I think when they signed him from Shakhtar, everyone was expecting like every match to be like a 4-3 end-to-end, like barn burner. Um, and he just sort of, he's shown more defensive resolve, I think. There was a lot of, you know, one-goal games, things like that. 
so I, I do feel like he is one to keep an eye on. I think he's yeah, I don't know. I think everything's up in the air with this man. This uh, ownership change. They could decide to clean house. Um, if that's the case, it certainly wouldn't be warranted. It certainly wouldn't be justified. I think he's a fine coach, and I think, you know, there was that stretch in the fall where they're playing really, really well, and it's like, oh, of course, there come the rumors. He's going here next year. He's going there next year. So it became like a, a sort of flipping on its head. It's like, ah, well, we got this guy. It wasn't our first choice. So all of a sudden, he's the hottest commodity in the market. So I, I do feel like he's innovative. Uh, the players like him. I just, I feel like he is. Something, someone you can build with, someone who is good for a team that's young. Um, so I am a fan of his. I'm um, just a little bit wary of what's going to happen with the ownership change because you never know what they might want to do. Yeah, and he can adapt to change, right? Even he said in, in, in an interview, he he never really adapt, change his formation or adapt technical aspects of the game that much until he came to Italy. Italy, the Serie A will do that to you, right? Yeah, he just he just seems like a really good guy too. I mean, he picked up Italian really quickly. I saw an interview in English, so he's a he's a very impressive man. Um, I, I it wouldn't shock me at all in five years' time if he's one of the best managers in the league. Um, so I hope they do uh, give him a long leash. Wayne, your thoughts on Fonseca? Yeah, off what Brand said, and the first game comes in, it looks like people are calling you know Zaman 2.0, but he's different. He's of course <laughs> a manager. We look at his him tactically, and he pushes his wing backs high, and he did that at Shock Targo next, and he had really strong wing backs there and Ishmael. So that's one feature that is common in modern football is push push them up a little bit higher, and then it becomes offensively somewhat what we're not unfamiliar with with the trident up top, which sometimes modifies into a, a four two three one of the sort, and somebody's playing in the hole. So it's not unlike what we've seen before. It's almost reminiscent of Spalletti. And when I think about his um, his growth, on uh, of his cap, you know, what can he become? So first year, I would say strong. He did really well to accommodate to injuries that were, un, you know, that no one could have predicted that were coming to ACL that continuously kept happening and muscular injuries. So he's always having to adapt. And we saw, I think Brand also mentioned, Machini uh, was plugged into the midfield um, in the first half of the season. I mean, tactically, that's a great move. And Machine looks really com comfortable there. So we see that he can work around things. And you can't say that all the cards have been in his favor because I believe his ex expectations are probably fourth place, right? Get back into the Champions League. And I think he's done well up until that point. So coming back into Italy, you got to remember this is a different ball game. This is up country where certain players come in. Uh, from you know England or where it may be, especially northern countries, and they have to get used to this style of ball. So I think when you're looking at it from that perspective, you have somebody learning a new game. It's Italy. This isn't England. It's not going to be uh, up and down at all times. Some teams are going to, after a better word, hunker down, right, as the English pundits often say. Um, so when you look at that, I think the next year he's going to – look at things maybe a little differently, but that's just assuming. Other than that, I think tactically he's been really great. Once again, plugging in Mancini into that hole, finding out how to utilize Clivert off the ball. You see him from the left wing, sometimes he'll make that run when Pellegrini plays that ball. They've done that play a couple times now. So that's something that comes down to the manager and learning the qualities of your players as well as the negatives of your opposition how to play against that. So when I think about a manager that's, in Italy, to compare him against maybe Deserbi a little bit, something somebody more attack-minded, and Sassuolo also brings that. And this is a next level, I think, compared to um, Di Francesco, 
who to me at times just seemed like a fish out of water a little bit um, when it came to making those tactical changes. But Fonseca has the guts to make them, and he knows how to employ it. So full marks to him for the season so far. I agree. Sam, what do you make of him? Yeah, he's a really good coach as far as I'm concerned. Um, really believe in him. I think he's building something special. He's got to have the time. There's going to be bumps along the way. So there was the time in, in uh, February. Wasn't a great run for him, but he recovered before this little break. Um, so, yeah, I think he's someone to be patient with. He's been very promising. He's adapted a lot quicker than I expected. Uh, he's been tactically more flexible than we expected as well. Obviously, mainly sticking to the, the tried and tested 4-2-3-1, but he has switched on a couple of occasions to a back three or a 4-1-4-1, seeing what works, what doesn't, and he's reacted well to that. Uh, I think he knows how to get the best out of his players. He's optimistic. He knows how to take responsibility as well, and I think that's important. Uh, so I really believe in him. Hopefully, when it comes to his second season, he's given the time, and sometimes it can be difficult in your second year, but that's something for, for months down the line. At the minute, I think he's been really promising. Only positive signs from him. And, yeah, he's someone that I hope we can continue with for a long time. Bren, Sam, Wayne, thank you so much for spending a few minutes to, uh, with me. Uh, it's been thank so much you. fun. And, you know, one of the positives about this whole situation is the scheduling is a lot easier these days. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one bright side. Thank you. Uh, think about anything to add. Mm, one thing, I love seeing the stuff on social media of Roma fans singing from their balconies. You can't not be Italian's spirit. If anything, that's what they're full of. So, great to see it. Yeah, that's very true. Bren, thank you so much for being on with us. How can we find you on Twitter? And I know, obviously, you're the big guy in Chiesa de Totti. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, I just... Yes, it's Tati, and then my personal is just Brett and CDT. Um, yeah, we're struggling to find coverage, but um, we have a couple pieces up now, just stories about our first football kits, things like that. We're just trying to use the downtime to uh, get a little bit more creative, a little bit more narrative, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to do the same thing with my Spanish page, man. Um, coming up with content in this slow time is not easy. I think we're gonna do a piece on we're right. gonna do a piece on the on the Escudetto year and then we're gonna break it down. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, Sam B, uh, tell us a little bit of how can you find you on Twitter and I know you have your your page also, Yalorus in Yorkshire, right? Yeah, that's right. So you can find me on Twitter at sambano one and then I am also running Jalorosi Yorkshire, which you can find on Twitter at Roma Yorkshire. If you just want to visit the website, it's jalorosiyorkshire.com. Again, just like you two, struggling to think of many original ideas for content at the minute, but I've been working on a couple of features, more nostalgic at the minute, so keep an eye out on there. There will be stuff on there, just not as regular as usual. <laughs> and Mr. Wayne, you're everywhere, man. Uh, we see you everywhere in the Roma's world. <laughs> Wayne in Rome, Roma fan camp, Football Italia, Gentleman Ultra. Uh, urban pitch right now. I'm trying to keep as busy as possible, trying to drive content, keep people watching, and that's the that's the key right now. Uh, we need something to look forward to, and that's what I want to provide. I might even have a little bit of a cooking show coming this week, so stay tuned on that. Oh man, you really are a jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> trying my best out here, Sam. Um, 
Alrighty, everybody. So that was it for uh, episode 71. I'd just like to remind everybody to just uh, follow the, your local authorities and health authorities' guidelines. Be smart about this. Keep uh, maintain good hygiene, like you should always be doing anyway. So, and with that, we're just we're gonna check out. Uh, we're gonna try to keep up um, keep up the one episode, at least one episode a month podcast so we keep some kind of sense of consistency uh so for now that's it for for with us today and i will stay in touch uh soon and as always forza roma ciao <laughs>